بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال إمام الناوي رحمه الله الحديث الثلاث والعشرين حديث الثالث والعشرون أن أبي مالك الحارث ابن عاصم العشري رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الطهور شطر الإيمان والحمد لله تملأ الميزان وسبحان الله والحمد لله تملأ أو تملأان ما بين السماوات والأرض والصلاة نور والصدقة برهان والصبر ضياء والقرآن حجة لك أو عليك كل الناس يغدو فبائع نفسه فمعتقها أو موبقها رواه مسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وبارك وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد we move on to hadith number 23 of the 50 hadith of Arba'een al-Nawawiyyah which means we are now moving close to the middle of the book, alhamdulillah. We started with the first hadith and we thought, subhanAllah, it's going to take such a long time for us to finish this book. But by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we've covered great distance. And by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, within a couple of months, we should be able to finish this book of Al-Arba'een. I should also mention that uh, in Ramadan, insha'Allah ta'ala, the lessons will stop for the duration of Ramadan until after Ramadan, then we will resume. That applies to hadith and also applies to tafsir because Ramadan is a month of Quran and we will all be uh, concentrating on Quran and how many times one can finish the Qur'an in the month of Ramadan, insha'Allah ta'ala. So in this hadith, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, At-tuhuru shatrul iman, walhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan, wa subhanallahi walhamdulillahi tamla'u aw tamla'ani ما بين السماوات والأرض أو ما بين السماء والأرض والصلاة نور والصدقة برهان والصبر ضياء والقرآن حجة لك أو عليك كل الناس يغدو فبائع نفسه فمعتقها أو موبقها When explaining this hadith I'm going to take more the angle of fiqh and tawheed as opposed to the angle of maw'idha. When I say fiqh, I mean Islamic jurisprudence and the rules of sharia and by tawheed, I mean the creed, the belief of the religion of Islam. When I say we'll try as much as possible to stay away from the angle, not completely stay away from the angle of maw'idha, because in maw'idha, this hadith would take us 
several weeks to, to explain. In Maw'idha, in giving bayan, just At-Tuhuru Shatrul Iman is supposed to take an entire muhadhar. Walhamdulillahi Tamla'ul Mizan is also supposed to take an entire muhadhara. We don't want to take that route because most of this hadith has already been explained on the mimbar in most of the khutbas in Jum'ah that we've had before. So we'll take advantage of this opportunity, insha'Allah, to look at the angle of aqidah and also the angle of fiqh by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at-tuhuru, shatrul iman. At-tuhuru means cleanliness or purity. Shatru means half. Shatru shay, nisfuhu. So at-tuhuru, shatrul iman. Purity or tahara is half of iman. What is the meaning of that? This means two things. Firstly, it could mean at-tahara, purity from kufr and purity from shirk. In the same way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ وَالرُّجِزَ Fahjur. Warrujiza Fahjur. Arrujiz in this case means the asnam, the idols. Fahjur, shun them, stay away from them. So the first meaning would be Atuhuru, which means the purity of the heart. From shirk, where a person avoids shirk at all costs. Shaturul Iman, this is half of Iman. Because Iman, if we divide it, will be Ithbat and Nafi. Nafi would be to refuse everything that is worshipped apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to confirm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the only one worthy of worship. So if a person is pure from shirk, it means he has perfected what angle? Nafi, which is negation. Iman is divided. Now this is going to confuse many people. One time you tell us it's divided into three parts. The next time you tell us it's divided into six parts. Another time it's divided. If you listen to the Mahadharat carefully, you will see the difference. We said la ilaha illallah, which is the kalima of Iman, is made up of two pillars. Al-Nafi and Al-Ithbat. Al-Nafi means negation. To negate whatever is worshipped apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the first part. Before a person acknowledges Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as his God, he has to negate all the other gods. فَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدِ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى so if a person is going to purify his heart and not make shirk and not believe in any other God apart from Allah and not make dua to anyone apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is half of iman, isn't it? If a person negates and says, la ilaha, there is no other God, 
This would be the first half of Iman. Illa Allahu, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this completes his Iman. So the first part of Iman is what, Sheikh Hassan? La ilaha. Yeah, nafi. Negation. Negation. And the second part of Iman is confirmation. So negation is the first part and confirmation is the second part. So at-tuhuru, being pure from shirk, is it confirmation or negation? negation. It's negation. If negation is half of it, therefore at-tuhuru, therefore purity from shirk, shatrul iman should be half of iman. We understand this angle 100%. Who did not understand? The, what, what I explained about purity from shirk being half of iman. Yeah, not, yeah, to leave shirk is half of iman. To leave shirk completely is half of iman. What is the other half? The other half is to believe in Allah. The first half of iman is to leave shirk. This, no, 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 no. The first half of Iman is just to leave shirk. That is the first half of Iman. The second half of Iman is to believe in Allah. So when a person is pure, at-tuhur, the purity from shirk, gives him half of Iman. Which half is remaining? The belief in Allah, the confirmation that Allah is the only God. So this hadith, in these terms, would mean... Is the first half of Iman. That is the first meaning. The second meaning, Atuhuru would mean wudu. Atuhuru is wudu. Shaturul Iman. In this case, Iman is salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has referred to salah in the Quran as Iman. He's called it Iman. In which verse, Sheikh Sulaiman, in the Quran, has Allah referred to salah as iman? He called it iman. Among the many names of salah, one of its names is iman, and Allah called salah iman in the Quran. Allah is not going to cause your iman to be lost. And he meant what? He meant salah. For those who faced the Qibla, other than the Qibla in Mecca, before they knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had instructed that we should face the Qibla in Mecca, Allah said, your salah is not lost. Allah is not going to cause you to lose your iman. Which iman? Salah. So at-tuhuru would mean wudu. Shaturul Iman is half of what? Half of Salah. Muhammad. So this sentence would mean At-Tuhuru Wudu. Shaturul Iman is half of Salah. Can a person perform Salah without Wudu? So Wudu is half of Salah. Without Wudu, there is no Salah. So At-Tuhuru Shaturul Iman means two things. In fiqh, it would mean ablution is half of salah. In aqidah, it would mean negation of shirk 
is half of actual imam. Is this explanation clear? At-tuhuru shaturul iman. So if someone asks you, At-tuhuru shaturul iman. At-tuhuru tahara is half of iman. Can you explain that in terms of aqidah? You say, Al-bara'atu shirk. To stay away from shirk is half of our iman. He says, can you explain that in terms of fiqh, Islamic jurisprudence? You say, wudu is half of salah. Walhamdulillah, to say alhamdulillah, the word alhamdulillah, tamla'ul mizan, fills up the scale. Just al-kalima, the word alhamdulillah, tamla'ul mizan, is able to fill the scale. Which scale? The scale on the day of judgment. A very fine scale. A very detailed scale. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَهُ Dharra is like an atom. The smallest particle of something. He will see it. An atom is very small. Like a grain of sand, even smaller than a grain of sand. If you put it in that scale, it's going to show Meaning the scale is very, very fine scale, where nothing is hidden. Alhamdulillah is able to feel this scale. Why is Alhamdulillah able to feel the scale? We get the answer from a hadith reported by uh, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, radiyallahu He says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, on the day of judgment, a man will be brought before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is going to show him his books, sijillat, his books, 99 books. One book is as big as the eyes can see. The books of sins that he committed in the world. One book is as big as your eyes can, can see. That's how far it goes. And it's full of what? Sins, haram, which he committed. And there are 99 of them, of those books. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks him to read from the sijil. And he asks him, Atumkiru fi hadha shay'an? Do you refuse any of this? Allah is just. Allah is not going to punish anyone unfairly. When someone gets punished, he knows he is being punished for things that he, he did. He says, read the book, read the sigil. Is everything here correct? All the sins I wrote here, are they correct? He said, Ya Rabb, they are correct. This is what I did in the, in the world. 99 books. One book, as far as you can see. Then he says, what about your good deeds? Do you have any good deeds? He says, Ya Rabb, my Lord, I have nothing to show. And he has nothing to show of the good deeds. All bad deeds. And he's standing before the Mizan, the scale. 
The weather scale is the good deeds are put on one side and the evil deeds on the other side. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets these 99 sijil and puts them on one side of the scale. What do you have for the other side? He said, Ya Rabb, I, I don't have anything. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands that they bring a small placard, a card, to put it on the other side of the, of the scale. He said, my Lord, what is this card compared to these 99 books full of sins? On the card is his shahada, just shahada, nothing else. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. Sincerely, from the bottom of his heart. Not shahada of nifaq. Not shahada to be seen by people. Not shahada in order to gain anything in the world. Shahada from the very bottom of his heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts this card on the other side of the scale. And it is heavier than his 99 books. And Allah says, nothing is heavier than the name of Allah when the name of Allah is spoken with sincerity. There is nothing in the world that weighs more than the name of Allah if this name of Allah is spoken with sincerity. Compared to the name of Allah, all your bad deeds are nothing. The name of Allah can outweigh all of them. But what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from you is sincerity. Be sincere with Allah. Be truthful to Allah. And fear Allah according to your ability. Fear Allah in accordance with your ability. Your good deeds cannot take you to Jannah. Your salah can't take you to Jannah. Your zakat can't take you to Jannah. Whatever you do cannot take you to Jannah. It's not enough. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take you to Jannah. If you have sincerity in your heart. If you talk about your five times a day, you talk about your zakat, you talk about your fasting and everything you do for Allah, one eye which Allah gave you, is more than enough to pay for all the things that you do for Allah. The ni'mah that Allah has given you on your body is much more than you do. You can never pay for his ni'mah, even if you worked your whole life. And even if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you your lifetime 100 times over, you would never be able to pay. It's not your amal that will take you to Jannah. Allah simply wants you to do the best. But be sincere with him. On the day of judgment, because of his name that you spoke in sincerity, all your sins will be outweighed. There is no man that cl can claim to have lived his life perfectly and has enough to go and put in that scale to outweigh the bad things that he has done. There is no such man. No one. You may pray the whole night. You may do all the things that Allah has asked. But that is not enough. The evil things that we do always outweigh our good deeds. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is kind. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it. Al-hasana bi-ashri amthaliha. 
When you do something good, Allah multiplies it by 10. Trying to push you into Jannah. When you do something bad, Allah does not multiply it. So this man comes and his sigil, his sigillat, 99 sigillat are outweighed by Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh khalisun min qalbi. Coming from the bottom of his heart. So Alhamdulillah, which contains the name of Allah, should fill the scale. Alhamdulillah should fill the scale. The Messenger sallallahu said, there are four phrases which are loved by Allah more than any other phrases. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. These four phrases are beloved to Allah. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu akbar. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Kalimatani habibatani ila rahmani thaqilatani fil mizani khafifatani ala lisani subhanallahi wa bihamdih subhanallahi al-azim. Two words, Habibatani ila rahman most beloved by Allah. Khafifatani ala lisan they're very light on the tongue. Saqilatani fil mizan but very heavy on the scale. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanallah al-azim. Not nifaqan, not subhanallah, subhanallah with nifaq. Subhanallah with sincerity. Not alhamdulillah with nifaq. Alhamdulillah with sincerity. So, walhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan. Wa subhanallahi walhamdulillahi tamla'u. Aw tamla'ani ma bayna samai wal ard. These two words, subhanallah and alhamdulillah, will fill up what is between the heaven and the earth. That's how great they are. They're so big that they should cover up the distance between the heavens and the earth. Which words? Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah. For what reason? The Messenger وسلم, already mentioned Alhamdulillah. But this time he pairs them. Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah. These two words. The Messenger وسلم, paired them because they are the pillars of Tawheedu al-ilmi. Tawheedu al-ilmi. How? Subhanallah. What is the meaning of Subhanallah? Subhanallah means glorified be Allah. What is the meaning of glorified be Allah? It means at tanzih Tanzih means may he be glorified. He is higher than all the sifat naqisah all the um, undeserved description that they give to Allah, Allah is higher than that. If they say he has a son, we say subhanallah, meaning Allah is above that. If they say he got tired, we say subhanallah, meaning that is not for Allah, Allah is above that. If they say Allah sleeps, we say subhanallah. Allah is above that. So subhanallah is tanzih. It's like 
Nafi. It's like what? Nafi. Negation. To negate what? Anything negative that anyone may say about Allah. That is the work of Subhanallah. Subhanallah is negation. To negate anything negative that any person may say about Allah. If a person says Allah rested because he was tired, we say Subhanallah. Then Alhamdulillah is ifbat. Alhamdulillah is confirmation. To confirm what? To confirm that all praise belongs to Allah. So it's because of that that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam paired these two words. Subhanallah meaning he is above everything they say. Alhamdulillah we make a confirmation all praise, all thanks belong to him. I was saying on the mimbar, uh, English is a poor language. Because there are certain words in Arabic which you simply can't explain in English. In Arabic there's alhamd. In Arabic there's athana. In Arabic there's ashukr. Alhamdu. Athana. Athana is praise. If someone does something, we praise him for what he has done. But alhamdu is greater than that. Alhamdu is only for Allah, but in English we don't find a word for it. So in translating the Quran, we just say praise and thanks belong to Allah. The truth is this is not even correct. All praise and thanks belong to Allah, but praise. Athana is praise and Alhamdu is praise. They, they're different. In Arabic, Athana can be given to people. For example, I can make Thana on Sheikh Sulaiman for something he has done. But alhamdu can only be given to Allah because Allah is the originator, Allah is the creator. Athana is for everyone, but alhamdu is only for Allah. That's why there is al, al meaning all, all of the hamd belongs to Allah. A human being does not deserve hamd. If Sheikh Sulaiman constructs a beautiful building, we make thana on him. We praise him for, for the beautiful building. But then we can't give him alhamdu. Because Allah is the one who gave him the ability to construct that building. The hamd goes to Allah. Are we together? If you give me something, I give you shukr. Thanks for giving me. But I will not give you alhamdu. Because alhamdu is for Allah since Allah is the one who gave you what you gave me. Do you see the difference? You have a word for that in English? Or in any other language? In any language. Now I've given you the freedom. Any language. Give me two words. It's difficult. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this beautiful language of Arabic. So, Alhamdulillah, Tamla Ulmizan, or Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Tamla Anima, Baina Samai, Wallah. These words, these two words should be enough because they mean Tanzi and they also mean Ithbat, giving hamd only to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. What is the next phrase? Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Tamla Ani, or Tamla Uma Baina Samai, Wallah. Just there, Tamla U, or Tamla Ani. The reporter. Is in doubt. He, he is not sure what the Messenger وسلم, said. It means either the Messenger وسلم, said Tamla'u 
Or the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Tamla'ani, I'm not sure. It's not the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam who said, Aw. It is the reporter who said, Aw. Meaning, I'm not sure what the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said. Either he said, Tamla'u, or he said, Tamla'ani. They were very careful about that. The difference is small, but they always wanted to report what is correct. When they're not sure, they would say, I'm not sure what he said. He either said this or that. For us, someone says something and you rephrase it. Rephrase it and report it in your own words. And the whole story changes due to dishonesty. If we were honest and reported things exactly the way they were said, people would not fight. But you give a message to someone, and he takes the message and reports it the way he wants to report it. And he adds to the message or subtracts to the message. That's the cause of confusion. Most of the time you give an innocent message to someone. And then this someone goes and reports it in, in a manner you didn't, you didn't say it. He uses his own words and that, that brings about trouble. I remember when we were young at school, we were asked to carry out this experiment where I, I whisper something in his ear, all right? I write down what I'm going to tell him. I write it down, then I whisper it in his ear, and he's supposed to whisper it to Sheikh Hassan. Sheikh Hassan whispers it to him, and so on. Let it go round and round, and then let it come back to me. By the time it comes back to me, it will be very different from the, the original thing that I said. That's the way it is. You try it. Just ten of you, okay, try this. You whisper something, tell him one sentence, let him tell the other person, and let the sentence come back to you. You won't, you won't know the sentence. You will think this is something else. And rumors are like that. The first one gets it from, from me, and then reports it in a different way. By the time he finishes telling the story, the, 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 a fight has already taken place inside. By the time this one finishes, someone was killed. By the time this one finishes, someone is serving a life sentence when nothing like that happened. That's why rumors are very, very dangerous. Especially nowadays on social media. I saw a picture a couple of days ago of some police officers in the Haram in Mecca, just near the Haram, standing by something that looked like, like a barbecue stand. All right, and someone had had a lot of meat on the barbecue stand. I think it was something to do with maybe this is not the uh, right place to do your barbecue and so on. Then that story was changed. There was another picture just below that one, and this was a picture of many dogs kept in in, in a place I don't know. Allah knows what place. About 300, 400 dogs. And what was written on the picture? What was the caption? These men were roasting these dogs at the haram and giving the hujaj uh, rice and dog. You, you get my point? This is one picture, this is a different picture. This is a picture of men roasting some meat. And this is a different picture of some dogs kept somewhere. I just put the two pictures together. And when you look at, these are the dogs they, they slaughtered and started uh, killing, uh, I mean, uh, giving people rice and dogs. And the rumor starts going round. In the haram, they're feeding people on rice and dog. But if you're wise, you start thinking, these 300, 400 dogs, 
I spent so many years in, in uh, Medina. I didn't see a single dog. Where did they get 300, 400 dogs to, to put near the harem? And how? How did they get into the kingdom? You know, you think about such things, you know, these, these are rumors. So don't believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you hear. Information can be engineered. The Sahaba of the Messenger were honest people. When they reported, when they were not sure, they would say, here, I'm not sure. Either he said this or he said that, but I'm not 100% sure. That's why he said, I'm not sure about that. After the other, inshallah.